You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, then who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? No funny how. I mean, funny. I'm Peter Vink. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hello and welcome to Frame by Frame. I'm Andy, and right next to me is... I'm Stephen. And uh, today we're going to be talking, um, as a part of a tribute, the uh, the now late Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Took us um, a little bit by surprise. D- despite everything, I mean, it, it, you know, you just cannot... You cannot prepare yourself for anything um, when it comes to death. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's such a sad loss, and... Uh, and it's still very fresh at the moment, so that's why we're we're going straight into this, yeah, as raw as we as we possibly go. And it is a, a, a substantial loss. And now um, we we normally sit here and we're drinking um, coffee. And for every episode, when Andy has always had the Captain Kirk mug, and I have had the uh, the reincarnated Spock mug. But uh, for today's um, podcast um the spock mug um has a candle inset inside it instead it's what he would have wanted <laughs> he would have wanted us to to forego the coffee yeah ritual and um give him the tribute well because i'm captain i still get the coffee yeah that's actually my second um spock mug the first one broke in the dishwasher and um because i said to Catherine, she i said well you know in star trek 2 he may have died, but then Spot was reincarnated in Star Trek Three. Yeah. So can we buy another one? <laughs> Did you have to like send a bit of pottery off to a planet? <laughs> yeah. and then the just a little just bit, spontaneously. Just the handle, yeah. Just the handle, yeah. Uh, and just, just... Yeah, and then, and then um... when, when you find it, it was like a little small thimble that yeah. cried. That cried. But yeah. as the <laughs> then it became an espresso cup, and espresso, slowly, yeah. yeah, as the, uh, the, yeah. the the crust of the planet was falling apart. Leonard Nimoy he lived a very long life, um, dying at the age of eighty three. People would um, could be forgiven to think that uh, the man died of old age, but he he actually was uh, had been ill for quite some time. See, I wasn't aware that he had any kind of illness. And every time you saw him, he just seemed very full of life. It's, it's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, COPD. Doesn't sound like fun. No, and it's a condition that he attributed to his smoking habit that he'd given up over well, 30 years prior. So um, he had been a heavy, quite a heavy smoker. Right. And from what I can gather, it, it all was... Um, he started smoking very early on. He, went, he was in the army and... Um, they always got free camel cigarettes and everybody expected to smoke and it was yeah. just normal it just seemed like a, a part of normal culture so he never I mean nobody ever really spoke about the, the, the bad things that that went with cigars, uh, cigarette smoking um, but yeah 30 years ago he actually did uh, give it up and uh, unfortunately yeah it's um, it's one of those things that he's always regretted <sighs> thank you I never smoked yeah, yeah. 
I, I did a little bit, but it was social smoking. It was kind of like a part of the wilderness period in Australia that yeah. I did that. Well, I should reiterate that I never smoked cigarettes. Yeah, that's I've thing. smoked other things. <laughs> well, we all have, and that's, again... It's, Some cataracts. It's Australia, and I was a different person there. <laughs> <laughs> he did a funny advertisement, I think it was for BMW, just as the... Yeah, with Z- Zachary. Zachary. Zachary Quinto, yeah. That's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's... But that's the thing. I mean, you'd think back in 1991, the whole crew, the original series crew, um, they were all still alive at that time, back in 1991. Gene Roddenberry had just passed uh, on the 25th anniversary in 1991. And they'd all said already that the Undiscovered Country was going to be the last one. Right. And that was it. And I think, you know, I was only 11 at the time. And I thought, you know, when I watched that in the cinema, I thought, we're never going to see these people again. This is it. This Mm. is the last time we'll see them. Um, But how many years later? 24 years later? And and they they had not stopped. I mean, some of them had slowed down and and kind of just done the, the Star Trek conventions, but... Um, I mean, William Shatner is still prolific. Yeah. Um, Leonard Nimoy has been so prolific as well. Mm. Um, the others are kind of re- relying more on social networking and um, just doing their own thing, but they're still present every day on our consciousness, you know, in our lives. Yeah, is it George Takei? George, yeah, George Takei. Takei, you'll say. He's hilarious. He, he is, but um, his, his, um, his Twitter page is actually overseen by a, a, a creative moderator. So uh, it's not always him. Oh right. Um, uh, he believe it or not, he does have a life. <laughs> he actually, he's, yeah, he's not just social media because everybody assumes that George George Takei is just about social media, but he's he's just doing his own thing and just leaving it. You know, that's why there's so many different fun things that appear on his uh, feed. Yeah. Okay, Mister Nemois. Nemois. Leonard Namor. All right, well, Mr. Namoy, you're going to love Optic TV. It's even got Facebook now. So you can tell your friends what shows you're watching, check your wall posts, even broadcast your status to the world. Fascinating. It's like you're actually on TV. I am on TV. DeForest Kelly said that one of his favorite fan letters was actually from... Um from a female, from a from, <laughs> <laughs> from any female that ever contacted him, from a, from, a, from a woman who sent him uh, a picture of herself. She was a very attractive young lady, and um, and uh, a, a marijuana cigarette attached to a piece of card. And he said that um, the card read, "You've been getting me." Uh, um, oh, what's the word? You've been turning me on for so many years. I wanted to return the favor. <laughs> okay, great. And he, he kept that marijuana cigarette, never smoked it, and kept that the picture with the, with the you know it was a part of his. Uh, it had been a part of his fan collection. I'd like to think though when he, he opened the letter, he's like, "Great Scott William, get over here!" <laughs> <laughs> but amazing. I mean, De, DeForest Kelly, another another one of those gentle human beings that you know was so sad when he passed yeah along with Leonard Nimoy both of these people they seem to be very similar very giving warm loving human beings who who uh, nobody really had a bad thing to say about them and um, you know he, he was yeah that was a, that was a sad passing and I think it was 1995 when he passed yeah um, Jimmy Dewan a little bit later 
didn't you know he had his stories as well i mean he helped um, some people from suicide who eventually went into engineering and university and became scientists and teachers and you know he he had his successes but he he was a little bit more withdrawn from from the yeah. uh, the family i should say i have a, a great deal of respect of actors that have lived through the 60s and survived it hmm and not got yeah. drawn into that sort of culture that happened around then and was still, still relevant clean. Yeah. now, yeah. you know. That's it. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, they were so so present and there, but they didn't get swept away in the whole um, rush of fever that yeah. went about the 70s. Cause I, I, always say, I always say this to people, that if I'd been in my 20s in the 60s, I wouldn't have survived the 60s. You wouldn't be alive? No. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have been hanging out with Hendrix and. We know what we were both like. I mean, like I say, I'm the one who was chickened out, so I think I might have just been okay. But <laughs> I would, it would have sucked. But then saying that, we might have ended up on Star Trek. That would have been. Nice. That would have saved us. That would have saved us. And that's the thing. I think Star Trek is one of those things that everybody kind of mocks and says, "Oh, Star Trek is is so." It's stupid and this and it's it's so old fashioned and geeky and it's really naff and and but they don't get what it actually really does for people and what it has been for people. Well, it was such an important show for many many reasons. Yeah, like the first black and black interracial uh, interracial kiss. kiss. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so far ahead of its time. People forget this. They do, and unfortunately, I mean, uh, there was when I went to work the next day after um, Leonard Nimoy's passing. I, I I said to one of the younger lads who was he's only twenty, and I said, uh, "Sad news about Nimoy," and he goes, "Who?" He played Spock in Star Trek. I said, "Oh no, I, I, I never watched that crap." And I was like, "It's you know, it's not crap," and he actually does a hell of a lot more than just Star Trek. Yeah. You know, and you've got a list of his films there. I think that's um, it speaks for itself. That he has not stopped working. I've got a list. Yay! Starts uh, at nineteen fifty-one. That's um, rhubarb. Yeah, rhubarb. He played a young ball player in Queen for a Day. He was a, a chief high diver segment as Leonard Nimoy, apparently. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't, his character just didn't have a name on screen, so they just so it kind of bashed through a list. You can bash for a list um, momentarily. Let me just get the music set. Okay. And go. Right, 1952. Kid Monk Baroni. Francis goes to West Point. Zombies of the Stratosphere. Four Star Playhouse, 1953. Old Overland Trail. Fireside Theatre, TV series. Them, uncredited. Your Favourite Story. Right, now we're into 1955. Luke and the Tenderfoot, Navy Log, 1956, The Man Called X, West Point, Highway Patrol, 1957 to 1958, Harbour Command, is a TV series, he played Fred Garrison, The Silent Service, which was another TV series, Broken Arrow, another TV series, that went from 1957 to 1958. Not the film. No, not, not the film. <laughs> <laughs> the Brain Eaters, Professor Cole, 1957 to 1958. Uh, Mackenzie's Raiders, Stephen, Steve Canyon, Twenty Six Men, Dragnet. I didn't know he was in Dragnet. Yeah, he and that was, was in 1954, and he was in it again in 1959. I think Dean Roddenberry was a writer for that show. Right, if I'm not mistaken. The Rough Riders, lots of TV series. Yes, yeah. Col- Colt Forty Five, 
Um, Tombstone Territory, Lockup, M Squad, Sea Hunt, <coughs> Tate, Sorry. Outlaws, The Rebel, Bonanza, The Tall Man, Tales of Wells Fargo, Rawhide, Two Faces West, 87th Precinct, Twilight Zone. He was in an episode Quality of Mercy, Mercy in 1961. Mm-hmm. Kane's 100, Laramie, The Untouchables, the TV series. He was called Packy. Okay. Oh, Packy. Oh, that's, that's a tricky one, then. Yeah. Combat, uh, The Man Called Shenandoah, Daniel Boone, Get Smart, TV series again, Death Watch, Gunsmoke, mm-hmm. TV series. Valley of Mystery, Assault on Assault on the Assault Wayne. on the Wayne, yeah, he, a TV movie. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. that? I've got it. He was in Mission Impossible. He was, yeah, for I a good long time. Yeah, it was seventy one. Yeah, and I think that's one of the series that I'd love to to eventually own because it's. Yeah. My, I, I remember watching it as a kid, but I never. It's never on television, and it's never. You know, I wouldn't want to watch it on television. It's like Columbo. You just want to really, just yeah, really binge like, watch, binge it. watch it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, right, Catlogue. Yes. Uh, Night Gallery. He was in Columbo. Yes, he was. Yeah. Love that episode. He was a doctor, I believe. The Alpha Caper. Uh, Rex Harrison presents stories of love. <laughs> he was okay. That. Um, he's in a little thing called Star Trek. He did a few episodes of Star Trek. And the animated series. And the animated yes, series, yes. yeah. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Woo! 1975. Woo! Love that movie. Stephen sort of likes that film. It's okay. It's one of my favourite films. Do you want to talk about that now? We can do. Do you want to go for the rest of the list, or are you breaking it down now just to... Well, now we're getting into some of the Star Trek, yeah, well, the we're, motion we're, picture, the films we'll and stuff. So let's... so let's just go... F- yeah, so start with Invasion of Body Snatchers. There are very special films that plunge you into a world of total terror. Unleashing emotions so intense, so awesome... There is no defense. Prepare yourself. From deep space, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, rated PG. Starts this week at a theater near you. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's um, it's definitely a Donald Sutherland's film. Yeah. Well, I should say it's actually Donald Sutherland's hair that owns that film. Um, which he was actually quite paranoid about throughout the making of the film, and uh, Philip Kaufman said, "Don't worry, it'll be great," you know. And it is. It's. It's. Isn't the same hair he had for Don't Look Now? It, it's similar, similar, yeah. But I think it, he he let it really go, <laughs> just uh, really let it grow a little uh, to this to the point where it was more Afro, and I think he was more worried about the uh, the representation of what Afro was um, for, you know for the film and he says oh yeah absolutely fine you'll be absolutely fine I mean, I've got the photo novel there and if you flick through it you know it's it's quite a well it's been a long time since I've seen this film and so, I wanted to watch it again last night but I didn't get a chance so I will be using this book to make it look like I know what I'm talking about yeah well in <laughs> somewhere in the outermost limits of space far beyond man's mindful speculations a wide expanse of seemingly desolate wasteland issues forth evidence of a determined undertaking. A haze of organic matter deep in the throes of intense labour, changing preparation for departure. You see, it's been lifted directly from the screenplay. Yeah. There's so much more going on in the screenplay that you just don't know. I mean, if they actually had the narration on the screen, that would have been way too much. But yeah. that was beautiful, man. Thank you. You tell anybody to go and watch this movie and they're like, oh... 
you know, because it's it's called Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and everybody will just straight away think stupid B movie. Yeah. Um, you t- you tell them that Nolan Nimoy's in it, and they're they're kind of mm, really okay. Um, Donald Sutherland, who's that? Brooke Brooke Adams. Well, yeah, Donald Sutherland was the bloke out of Hunger Games now, isn't he? Yeah, and and yeah, I know it's weird how people suddenly become of the moment rather yeah. than and see, I remember this film and yeah. it it really sort of got under my skin. No, yeah. no pun intended. <laughs> no, no, no pun intended. Well, <laughs> that was good. No, it it does. Yeah, it's another one of those. The sound design. Denny Zietland was the uh, the guy who was approached to do the the music for this film. And um, he had no idea what to do at first. That he was supposed to be doing an orchestral um, score, right? But then they thought they heard what he did as with the jazz, and they said, no, "We want you to do that. That's great. Just just bring that in." So he literally, he'd never done a soundtrack before. So when he did, he he kind of wanted to kind of blend the sound of. The, the, the mixing and the actual sound effects the, the organic genetic throbbing that kind of went through the film was yeah. very very had that been specific. done before? Um, such a marriage between score and sound design hmm. I, I'm not sure I think it was very specific though yeah. I mean, this was actually really on you know because they, uh, they, they homage it don't they in um, The World's End quite a lot Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've talked about previously. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it is. It's about the the the, the fetal heartbeat that's that's kind of throughout threaded throughout yeah. that movie. The sound design is one of my favourite aspects of the movie. Right. And but it doesn't just take over because you're just so caught in what you're looking at, you just can't believe what you're hearing at the same time. It's. The cat likes this film as well. Yeah, she says you watch it way too many times and feed me. I've lived in this city all my life, but somehow today I felt everything had changed. People were different. Will you please trust me? It's happening now. It was a nightmare. Help! You're coming! Officer. I would like to report four bodies in my backyard. You have to stay awake. Brooke Adams, we kind of see the film through her eyes. Yeah. Um, Brooke she, Adams. She, yeah. And um, Do you remember that funny part where Leonard um, Nimoy goes, That's right, just relax. Now you're going to be alright. You want to go home now? Will you come and see me tomorrow? We'll all talk, the three of us. Okay. Yeah, I do. <laughs> And not referring to the photo novel, I believe that's the scene where um, Donald Sutherland takes uh, Brooke Adams because Brooke Adams thinks that her husband is is changing. Yes. She's been observing him through the window. He's been meeting people, exchanging gifts, and she's a little bit paranoid. Oh, by the way, she works as a biochemist. She always works, helps, and, and it kind of helps. <laughs> you think it's true that if you think you're losing your mind, then you're not? I know this is going to sound insane. Jeffrey is not. I mean, on the outside, Jeffrey is still Jeffrey, but on the inside, I can tell that there is something different. Something is missing. What? Emotions, feelings. He's just not the same person. 
Really, you know what I mean? I know it sounds crazy. But but bless her heart. I mean, she's a biochemist. She's got this pod, and and her her husband or boyfriend is has kind of been taken over by this pod. But of course, Donald Sutherland thinks it's psychological, so he takes her to uh, Leonard Nimoy, who is literally doing a book. Um, supposed to be doing a book reading or a book signing yeah. and, and it turns out to become this, this circle of people who think that all their partners and their friends and family are all are, are, are different they've changed right and so he's spending the whole time instead of doing what he's doing helping people now if does that not sound like Leonard Nimoy it does. he would actually just yeah. drop everything in, in, so that he can actually help people yeah so th- this was a perfect role for him I think at the yes. back of his neck and when his hair is long you can't see it yes. he went to have a haircut today yes. and the scar was gone no it's still there of course it's still there <laughs> what did you expect he's still Ted he's excuse still me husband. can I just say one please. thing he's still your husband but Ted but I know please. something that you Catherine could I just say please. one thing Catherine uh, who's this behind you Ted that's right that woman's husband's not her husband I saw him today with Jeffrey. He's one of them. And she knows about it, and nobody's helping her. That's not true. Somebody's helping her. Oh, I'm glad you've heard that. David Kibner, Elizabeth Biscuit. Hi. I've been hearing it all week. It's getting very popular. What's that? What's getting popular? I was trying to tell you that I also you know, know somebody. somebody who's changed. Can we go outside yes. and talk about it? The guy, the guy in the... Uh, what's that? Oh, is that the... I thought um, I was like a really nasty vagina. It's actually a dog with the face of a man. Okay. And apparently that there's a, there was this kind of... Um, but it's the kind of thing that you'd expect to see in a John Carpenter film, I should actually say. Not an homage to that John is definitely Carpenter. something... Right, yeah, I'm looking at a dog with the face of a, a, human a, a human being licking its own nose. It's actually quite grotesque. It's fantastic. Yeah, they continue along undetected until Elizabeth looks down and lets out a scream. <laughs> As she sees the hideous byproduct of an injured pod, a mutation of both the banjo player and his dog. Oh, the banjo player. As they are turned upon, Matthew and Elizabeth break into a run. Get them, get them, say pod people. So Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, um, Jeff Goldblum and Nancy Cartwright, all four of them go on the, on the run and they they meet up with Leonard Nimoy and eventually they all kind of just get, they all succumb to the, um, the weed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of what happens to everybody in the 70s. Um, all apart from uh, Veronica Cartwright, she's kind of like the only one left in the end, um, screaming yeah. while Donald Sutherland points at her. But that's still. Very frightfully. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. The, the face he pulls. It's like, yeah. I mean, look at Andy's just trying. You just don't have I just it. Just don't have the, the face of yeah. Donald Sutherland. I wonder if Keith the Sutherland could do it. In fact, I have. There's a guy at my workplace who looks just like Donald Sutherland. Get him to do it. I'm going to get him to do it. We'll uh, take a picture and tweet it. I've I've, I've wanted to kind of. I, I've I've been trying to get feelers out <laughs> to find out if he can act because if we can have a Donald Sutherland lookalike in one of our short films, yeah. And let's just call him Donald. <laughs> and people will just go, oh my god! Because he really does look, yeah. he does really look like him. We should do a shot-by-shot remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Well, like they did uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Have you know, seen that there's a fan film out on Raiders of the Lost Ark? About no, a, I haven't. 1982, 
um, after seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, a group of students got together and tried to make uh, shot for shot Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, they almost finished it, but they the two lads fell out um, over <laughs> over a girl, fell out with each other two over a girl, women. and then they decided that they would get together to, um, thirty years later uh, to reshoot the last scene that they that with the aeroplane that they hadn't actually done. They, right. they to get back together and they made a whole documentary about the whole thing. It's it's going to be. Um, it's uh, currently showcasing on the IMDb um, um, trailer, right. trailer wave of trailers. You know yeah. how they, they have a, like a, a, a flick through of all I'll trailers. It. Yeah, it's in not, there. Yeah. yeah, it's called Raiders, the I've, best fan film made ever. Have you heard the thinking about continuing Indiana Jones but using Chris Pat, Chris Pratt instead? Um, no, I didn't realize. Yeah, that Steven this. Spielberg's thinking about it. Well, he's kind of thinking. He's got to do it somehow. I mean, I, uh, I just don't know. I, I think, just, I think they should just leave it alone. I would leave it alone. I'll just do one really good film where Indy dies in it. Yes, and then leave it. Kill there. him. Kill him. Do it. Yeah. I mean, J.J. Abrams is keeping Star Trek alive. Mm. He's doing a good, a fine job of it. And now, well, we'll see. Well, <laughs> I'm sure so he will. Far, do. I mean, yeah. Simon Pegg is a big fan. I don't think he's going to let anything crazy happen with it. I mean, they can't really. If you love Star Trek enough. And you honour the fans that love Star Trek enough. You mm. do not mess around with it. But um, as far as... I mean, the, the, I mean, look at what they're going to do with Ghostbusters. I mean, they might as well just um, have the four women from four women from Bridesmaids yeah. in the film and just make a completely different film with them four doing something supernatural but doesn't have to call it... Go- Why did they have to call it Ghostbusters? Exactly. Well, you've got a brand... And they, they want to make that's an instant brand, but they need recognition. to. They need to have the balls to actually go in cold and try something new. Yeah. I mean, that, well, is, as far as I can tell, it is going to be a completely new story, new set. But of it's people. still called Ghostbusters. We, well, we'll see. TM, <laughs> C, Ghostbusters, maybe Ghostbusters. Uh, I think it'll be sexist. It's kind of you feel? can't call actresses actresses anymore. They're actors, right? Yeah, it's been a thing for. About a decade now, but not everybody <laughs> wants to talk about it. Because I, I don't, I'm, I'm Donker. That's the thing with me. That's, if I, I said care. someone's an actress and said, "I'm not an actress, I'm an actor," I know I'm an actor. What's, what's bad about being called an actress? Yeah, There's just get on with it. It's, it's the whole political correct thing, and then political correctness becomes this whole thing where if, if you actually point it out that it's wrong, then all of a sudden everybody knows that it's wrong. But mm. if you don't point it out, then nobody really cares anyway. You it's know, only we, until you make an issue of something yeah. that it actually becomes an issue. You know, it was politically correct. Leonard Nimoy. He was. And let's get back to him. <laughs> Bless him. No, I think you've got more to say about Invasion of Body Snatchers, haven't you? Um, there, I mean, sound design, the, the acting is exceptional. I mean, Leonard Nimoy's part, he is very energetic in this film. Very full of... Um, he's not Spock at all. No, he's not Spock at all. And mm. he's full of... Um, he's, he's trying to bring emotions out of other people. Uh, even though he does appear to be the most sane person in the whole film, and and you know you said about um, there's one actor I can't remember who you said um, a couple of shows ago, right? I think it was in, uh, you mentioned about the guy in Foxcatcher who, no matter what he's in, you feel safe, like John Candy. Yeah, um, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, you know if if you're going to see him in a film, you feel you you feel safe when you see him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the same goes for Leonard Nimoy. Absolutely, I completely agree with even, that. Even when, I mean, the, in DeForest Kelly as well, I mean, even if you see him as an evil Mexican at the end of a, of a Western film back in the 50s, you kind of feel comfortable because it's like, 
at last there he is. You know, yeah. he's been waiting from the whole film, and, and there he is. He's a bad guy. Good for him. <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's just he's just shot two people. Uh, good good stuff. And plus, you know. he's a doctor, so he could fix them. Well, he might with, be. with his with his magic. See, that's the thing. You can't. We, we can't. You cannot think of Leonard Nimoy and not think of, of Mr. Spock and that's oh, no, the, that's, he's that's defined by that character it's difficult to right to kind of not talk about Star Trek because when we've said this before when we watched T.J. Hooker that's not William Shatner playing T.J. Hooker it's Captain Kirk's took a year off you know yeah, Captain the it. Starship to be a policeman on Earth for a while when you see Leonard Nimoy <laughs> in another mm. it's Spock playing a different part. And I think it's the fandom that's created that. The yeah. fandom is, is so solid. You can't see Mark Hamill be doing anything other than Luke Skywalker. Carrie Fisher tried to do other things. I mean, she did all right in comedy. The Burbs was very different to what she's yeah, what she's done in Star Wars. Yeah, and she's really good in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, exactly. She has... But but they don't. They're no longer prolific because people don't want to touch them. But going because back to of Mark that, Hamill, yeah. he's in Kingsman. Right. Secret Service, and he's doing. He's like this British professor, really? and he's brilliant. Great. You wouldn't know. He's, he's got this beard. He's he's got down the accent. Fantastic. Oh, good, yeah. And yeah, you wouldn't know it's him. But well, you, you know it's him. You think because you you see him and say, "Oh, that's Mark Hamill," but he's completely different than Luke. So yeah, it's good. Just, but don't just, you think that it, it's it's that typecasting is very dangerous thing to kind of get into unless you can make make a living out of the typecast such as Leonard Nimoy has made yeah. a living being Spark that you're not able to do those passion projects because there's a chance that that person that that production company will reject you that casting agency will reject you because people will think well you, you, people are only going to see Spark I want I don't want them to pollute this character yeah, but there's an element of that and an element of I, I, I'm known for Spark I, if I all of a sudden come as this really heavyweight murderer in a film, he's going to upset a lot of fans. Yeah. Because they don't want to see him as a rapist or something in a film that he might be acting incredibly well in. Yeah. Because he's Spock, and that's his thing. It's like if William Shatner uh, took the role of the um, the woodsman that Kevin Bacon did as a as a, a paedophile. Yeah. You just wouldn't want to see that. No. You just wouldn't want to see that. You want to still, still see them doing something that, that kicks ass. Yeah. Whilst at the same time stays true to who they are. And with that little bit of a nod to to the fandom. that you know, No matter what they do, they, they try and put that little bit of a, mm. a, a thing about it. And it's... But I, I kind of wish that we'd been able to see, um, especially DeForest Kelly, um, Leonard Nimoy, um, not so much William Shatner. William Shatner's been able to break out and do his own thing for much it for anything. I mean, Boston Legal was incredible departure. Yeah. Love Denny Crane. I would be his drinking buddy any time. <laughs> thing with Shatner, he sort but, of he became a parody of himself, yes. and then became sort of relevant again. Yeah recarved that relevance and he's become I mean he's done so many different I mean he's done sitcoms the shit my dad says and mm. he's, he's tried documentary I mean Leonard Nimoy also did documentary in Search Off series yeah. in the 70s and he's got that in America people know him for that outside of Star Trek if you're not into Star Trek then you knew him from that right okay um, so he was able to do the Carl Sagan thing and mm. just be a little bit more uh are relevant to to non-fiction as well as fiction but um yeah i mean mm. as far as invasion of the body snatchers goes he he was a 
an affable present and uh Do you remember that time when he said no I just, just gave her a psychological, psychological band-aid Matthew I should talk to her some more it could bring her by my office tomorrow around four what's the matter with her it's, it's like, like there's some kind of hallucinatory flu going around people, people seem, seem to get cool. over it in a day or two all I can do is treat the symptoms yeah that's Spot would never have said that, that, that. Star Trek the motion picture 1978 yeah, that's what I was confusing. I get those dates wrong with those two films. Yeah. But Star Trek The Motion Picture, directed by Robert Wise. But um, What do you think of that film? What do you think about that film? I can't remember it. I love uh, it as background. Okay. But, uh, it's a background movie. See, it's difficult for me because I'm looking at this list as I've got Star Trek The Motion Picture and then just right above it, uh, four years later Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan which is yeah, a great I know. film it is a great film and it's a different film it's Len- uh, that is uh, Nicholas Meyer taking the helm forgetting everything that happened in Star Trek completely giving them new uniforms a new vision a, a new style if you will yeah. um, And but but thinking of it in a different way he thought about it as submarines and in wartime mm. um, he he did kind of create the kind of a military aspect to it, which in Star Trek One they were totally in sci-fi junk suits and uh, just staring out at the view screen. Mm. But what they did quite quite good with these is this started a thread then of uh, a narrative to run through quite a few films, yeah. didn't it? it he set <coughs> it up really so well because Khan was out the original series, wasn't he? He was Space Seed, yes, yeah, yes, which um, is one of the, the the best rated episodes of season one, I believe. Yeah, so that's why that's quite clever of the writers to think, right, bring him back, bring him back because he's one of the best loved villains. And I'm glad right. they didn't bring back um, um, Harry Mud or yeah. uh, uh, other Gorn or the Laughing Kid who actually ends up the 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 kid who's in this alien costume who pretends to be this big monster yeah and um, but yeah I don't know what his name is so there's no, no point in dwelling on that mm. but they could have chosen so many other different characters from the original series yeah but they stuck with that because they knew that Mercado Monteblan was uh, available <laughs> <laughs> still look good though because quite a few years later and he still looked quite you know he still, oh he still worked out yeah he, he was still good. And he's still killed with those lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people could look at him and think, yeah, the way you're saying the lines is a little bit precious and pedantic. But he's a theatrical actor. He's not a, you know, he comes from a theatrical background, so he is going to come with a certain guster, mm. you know. And what a what a brilliant portrayal. What a, what a really memorable film. Yeah, a great film. And the ending is, is effective. Yeah, because yeah. they actually do follow through and actually allow a character to die. Yeah, the main the character to die. Yeah. Spot. Oh. So that's why when I found out about, you know, he died, I immediately did uh, the, the silly thing and go straight to Twitter. And that last tweet that he'd said. Yes. Which is very poignant. Right, yeah, I've got it. Okay. Um, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. And I was listening, to, I, I read that as I listened to uh, the epilogue of... Um, the soundtrack of Star Trek 2. Yeah. I was listening, do you know what, it's funny when you said that, because uh, you posted it onto um, the Frame by Frame page. Yeah. I was listening to it too, in the conservatory, wow. at the same time. Because I thought that, what do I want to hear right now? It just seemed so... Apt. Apt, and mm. yeah. So yeah, I welled up, I really did. 
and I had a good, good glass of whiskey yeah. beside me, and uh, it was a very sad night. It was. It's strange, isn't it? These things affect you. Yeah, it really the same does. thing with Robin Williams. You know, someone who just seems to be. He's safe. He'll always be there. We'll never lose Spock, and then he just goes. Yeah, and but like I say, Barack we, Obama. <laughs> he, he was touched. He, yeah. he said something about it. Yeah, yeah. Did you read that? He did. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think that uh, you know, for someone like um, Leonard Nimoy, is, has such a strong identity on the, on the good wills and the the positive personality that embodies that should embody America. This is how you should be thinking people. This is this is who you should be taking lessons from. Mm. It's this guy. He's yeah. got it right. So many people have got it wrong. He's he's literally the role model that everybody should actually be looking forward to. Um and I think he's just trying to reach out for that and kind of remind people that, you know, you know, we should pay attention to this, mm. you know, right now. I mean he, he was a I think he was a fan. Obviously, yeah. So good on him. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, like I say, I mean, they all retired in 1991 from that, from the actual full ensemble cast of Star Trek, and it, it was amazing to, to 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 stay with him and actually observe his life then on and, and, and kind of share it. I mean, especially on the social network on Twitter. He joined Twitter in 2012, I think. Right. It was quite late on, really, but he kind of owned it. <laughs> Him and George Takei, literally just, you know, those are the two people you go onto, um, onto Twitter to kind of find out what they're up to. Yeah, and Stephen Fry, just them three. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> I, you know, and not a day goes by. I mean, when he said that, um, that, that last line about the garden, life is like a garden, perfect moments can be had, um, it was then announced that he was, was hospitalised with chest pains. Right, and I was literally just checking up to see if he was gonna if he was gonna tweet in the next day or two, just to kind of tell everybody close call. I'm on my way home again. Yeah, LLAP. I was kind of just looking for that post. I didn't think, uh, you know, not for one moment did I think that he was gonna go. Mm. Sad man. Yeah. Still waiting for that uh, post. He had a, a good long life. He did a lot of things. He uh, inspired a lot of people. He was a brilliantly innovative actor, but he also worked collaboratively. He worked, uh, he recognized the important contributions made by everybody. And I think that's what made him a good director as well. Uh, and since we had been working together for a long time, he, yeah. As a director, he could speak to us in shorthand. So uh, his many, many gifts included his uh, ability to work with many people. He was loved by a lot of people. It's sad that you have to be reminded that life is that short. Right. Okay, so let's uh, let's climb out of the uh, the somber moment and uh, talk about his later films. Well, he um, did nineteen eighty six did voiceover in the Transformers the movie. Do you remember that? Well, uh, yeah, and it I says here Galvatron, but I didn't think he was Galvatron in it. Yeah, Galvatron. I, now this is this is nineteen eighty six. This is the animated film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the animated film. But he did come back and 
Yeah. He, he yeah, I think he came back in the um, to to voice his uh, Sentinel Prime in the in the Transformers Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. So uh, he actually had a little bit of uh, Bay money. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, if anybody's been, with the enemy for a little bit, but if anybody's going to have a bit of Bay money, he he deserves it. You know. Little slice of the yeah. cake for him, and it's just a voiceover, so that's that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got Star Trek: The Voyage Home. <laughs> Star Trek: The Voyage Home, his first direct, no, his second directorial, because he directed Star Trek Three. What happened to Star Trek Three? I know, he directed the Search for Spock. There we go. He directed the uh, Search for Spock, and um, and um, they liked him so much they let him direct the fourth one which is his favourite film by the way Star Trek for the Voyage Home right. I love that one with the whales I actually I like it I like that film Every, it's not the, my favourite but I like that film but it's very accessible I mean my mother um, even knows what it is and uh, if you're listening it's the one with the whales because <laughs> right, yeah. that's, that's, that's what everybody calls it if you're not into Star Trek you know that film as the one with the wheels. Yeah. What I liked about it is the they had that they had the they played with comedy a little bit more. It's yeah. a bit more playful. Uh, because they've been through life and death together through yeah. the through the last couple of films, they wanted to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just yeah, let loose. And I think that's why everybody had a good time with that because they remembered what it was like to be uh, a fun family. Now, did Lennon Nimoy? Did he was he involved in a lot of like animal welfare and? I think so. I mean, he does tweet about it. He, he was tweeting a lot about um, the fact that he, you know, I, I wonder if we'd have made a film about the elephants back in 1986 that that they would have um, thrived as much as the humpback whales have since that movie. Yeah. Because the humpback whales have been thriving, and he's he kind of been keeping an eye on that. I think I think he's always kind of just looked in and and overseen certain areas of that. I mean, I, I'm not too sure about his charity work. Let's uh, let's take a look. I, I love that. I love the scene where um, there's those fishermen who are about to attack, try, you know, they're about to harpoon that whale. Yes. And then the Klingon ship just uncloaks in front of them. It's, Brilliant. It's, it's a, a great... beautiful scene, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. A really nice. Nice and misty and wet. And yeah. uh, when, it, when it actually goes down into the water, that's... Uh... And they all climb out and start splashing around. You know that scene was actually shot at the Paramount car park. Was you know, it? They've got one <laughs> one car park which is actually um, it doubles as a pool. Right. So uh, when they when they feel as though they have to shoot something there, they just close off the car park. They raise the the edges and they just fill it with water. They just flood it. Right. And um, it looked like they were having a ball that day. Yeah, I big smiles. So. They were close to home. They didn't have to worry too much. They were going to have a big lunch and a steak and a baked potato. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's it. Bit of a splash. Uh, he's actually quite um, modest and careful with his uh, charities. He's uh, part of the American Cancer Society, the American Foundation for Equal Rights, and the Nimoy Foundation. Now, the Nimoy Foundation is about him just getting money to himself. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I, it's um, established in 2003 by Leonard Nimoy to encourage, recognise and support the work of artists, giving grants to artists in residence programmes in the US. So he's very you know, much about keeping close to, him, to to his own. You know, Michael Bay did the same thing. He started a production company that gave money to up-and-coming directors who have a vision and want to make a film. Yeah. Apparently. But what's actually come out of that company is just reworkings of horror films you know like the Friday 13th new film and 
the new Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff so like it's that. basically reowning yeah. all the things that we think are so great that were actually owned by great directors yeah and now he has a piece of all of them the boy, right the final I, 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 I think we need to leave Michael Bay out of this yeah <laughs> we need to leave positive. him um, but yeah, on the causes, uh, cancer, civil rights, uh, creative arts, uh, health, uh, lesbian, gay, bi, uh, transgender support, and mis- miscellaneous causes. I'm sure there's some uh, animal um, animal welfare Yeah, just because with the, the Voyage Home, there is, uh, there is a huge I, animal I, welfare yeah. message in the film, isn't there? Definitely. Um, we've got The Final Frontier. Yeah, directed by his pal William Shatner. Yeah, and I don't mind that film either, to be honest. I enjoy watching it. I'll still yeah. watch it, and um, there, there's so many good moments. There, mm. yeah, it's just a shame he just didn't have the budget. That was all. I mean, if he had the budget and the encouragement to to make a great picture, then Final Frontier would have been one of the best. Yeah, I'm right in thinking it's the one where they're thinking they're going to God. Yes, but it's actually the the old satellite that went out there years ago. Yeah, and uh, they use the science of Christopher Nolan to travel to the center of the galaxy. Yeah, Um, and and yeah, which you know it it kind of falls apart at that point. Point, but um, the 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 triangle is still there. The um, the William Shatner, the the Forrest Kelly, Leonard Nimoy triangle. The Trinity. The Trinity is consistent throughout the whole series, and I don't think it. I don't think it misses a beat in that one either. In Unification 1 and 2 in The Next Generation, Spock is in there. He does, yeah, and um, that was a, a bit of a surprise, I think. Everybody was shocked to see Spock appearing in The Next Generation. Of course, people understood a little bit more that the Vulcans li- um, live a lot longer, and mm. it, it's kind of helpful yeah. to have that. Um, but not only he, not only him, but um, Spock's father, Sarek, yeah. who is one of the biggest alumni of, of Star Trek, because he was in the original series as a Romulan, um, he was in all the films as Spock's father, and he uh, appeared in his own episode, Sarek, in oh. the Next Generation as well. Um, Mark Leonard having one of the most incredible voices to listen to. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have his audio book Sarek when I was a kid, and I just loved listening to him. Yeah, I remember. Why did you leave him, Kirk? Why um, did you leave him on Genesis? Yeah, Spock trusted you, and you denied him his future. I saw no future. <laughs> you big nerd. Oh, I love it. The Undiscovered Country? Now that was supposed to be their sign-off. And, um, yeah. And to, to say that uh, it was a sign-off, um, of course, um, Leonard Nimoy didn't work again in Star Trek until 2009. Mm. So um, he, he, he didn't do Generations. No. Like William Shatner did. And unfortunately, I wish he hadn't because... Um, it's not very good. That they film. they ruined the death of Kirk, I think. But uh, you know, there we go. I mean, that's um, that's when Leonard Nimoy walked away from Star Trek for a little while and um, started to rediscover himself. Yeah. And then we've got a load of TV movies. So we've got wait, well, a did few games. A few games. He was on <laughs> Star Trek: Judgment Rights. Yeah. The Halloween Tree. The Page Master. Bonanza under attack. The Outer Limits. <laughs> Bonanza Under Attack? What's that? a TV movie. Okay. 95 did The Outer Limits. Which yes. Which was on the back of The X-Files, but no one here was good. Yeah, um, true. He played, obviously was in The Simpsons. You know which episode, right? The Springfield Files and Marge versus The Monorail. Yeah, The Monorail episode is one yeah. of the most famous um, Simpsons episodes, and he was the, um, the celebrity that went to open the... Uh, the uh, the monorail on its first journey. Right. So it was a, it's a fun episode. 
Uh, David, a TV movie. We've got Duckman, Private Duck, Family Man, TV series. He was in the where no Duckman has gone before. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. The First Men in the Moon, The Lost World, Brave New World, Invasion America, which was a TV series. General Conrad, he played. It's funny because William Shatner did Invasion Iowa. <laughs> I think he took it a little bit small. <laughs> it's okay. Then um, Sinbad, Beyond the Veil of Mists, Becker, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, Becker. He was in Becker with um, Ted Danson. Just oh, Becker. Yeah, that was a series. That, I enjoyed that, Becker. That it didn't get the praise and that it, that it should have, and it you know it was kind of kept very hidden on Comedy mm. Central. Yeah, I do remember Becker. Oh, actually, no, it was on the Paramount Channel. Yeah, it was that? Paramount. Yeah, yeah, that didn't last very long. That channel, did it? No, I don't think it's still. I don't. It's called Channel Five now. Nice. <laughs> okay, um, next. And then Atlantis. You got the um, yeah to boldly go mm. and. Yeah, Skyfi, Visionaries, Video Show, Reflections on Spock, Kiss and Tell, Romance in the 23rd Century. Lovely. Video Short. You did, these are video shorts. Yeah, loads of them. A lot of shorts. Video games, video shorts. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was working. And then obviously 2009, Star Trek. The re- a rant. small part. Just a small part. But he got to work with Simon Pegg for the most part in that and um, have a little bit of face time with Zachary Quinter. And Chris Pine. He ends up being ditched on that snow planet, doesn't he? And that's yeah. where he, uh, Spock saves Kirk. Oh yes, Kirk is there with with Scotty. Yeah, because they Scot- it's yeah. Spock. Oh, you know, old Spock and Kirk find, find Scotty, Scotty. by going to that base. That makes sense. Yeah, I completely forgot he was actually present. At the oh, time. a little bit contrived that. Yeah, a little bit too. I love. I honestly love. Yeah. To that, I love the two thousand nine Star it's Trek, fun. and I really like Into Into Darkness. I thought that was great, but. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with the uh, the lack of uh, of uh, ability to tell a, a pure story without actually going for the uh, the end of Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan repeat, and then not following through on, on on actually letting Kirk be dead till the next film. They 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 chickened out a little bit. They did, um, and I kind of I kind of don't I don't love that ending. See, there's a, a part of me completely agrees with you. Yeah. Another part of me Fanboy is when, says, yeah, Yay. and when Kirk dies and Spock goes, "Come!" And then I was like, "Go kick his ass!" <laughs> you know, I was really into it. Really? really yeah, proper. You see, I, th- I think you, you have a ability to let things go, which is probably why I ch- I chicken out on on all those threesomes that I could have had. <laughs> <laughs> I chicken out on the movie as well, and I think that's that's probably you actually are able to let yourself go. It's all surface. It is all surface, yeah. But what surface? Yeah, it's a it's a very fun surface, and I that's why I, I always find it very hard to let things go and just enjoy. Yeah, and I think I should do because you know Leonard would have wanted me to. Yeah, exactly. Do it that way. But would it be logical to let it go? From far beyond the galaxies, I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race and I find them highly illogical okay so (laughs) so we've just got a few more Star Trek games video shows well okay let's talk about Star Trek Online okay oh yeah because you played this didn't you I still do I'm still still on there I mean I I go in every so often I I went in that night after um, chatting to you about Leonard Nimoy I went into Star Trek Online I said to Catherine I'm not going to come up just yet I just want to see what's happening on on, online just to see what people are doing 
and uh, I, I got my little avatar character just walking around, just checked to see what what my money was doing. I thought, you know, you always better to make sure nobody's robbed me. I don't know why I always think of as though I'm going to get robbed. <laughs> I think because you live in a neighbourhood where people get robbed. I know, but it's like my online avatar is safe. You know, nothing's going to happen. Uh, it's like, is, is, is he going to be cr- crawling on the ground with blood coming out of his... Uh, because you got raped or mugged I don't know um, <laughs> cut that bit um, but yeah my, my t- so I took my uh, took my character on a little trip to Vulcan and uh, when I landed down at Vulcan and I saw um, this and I'm just going to show you I'm going to put the pictures on the uh, YouTube version of this podcast okay because I think you'll be quite impressed with um, uh, I went down to Vulcan and there's a, a little monument at the centre this was one of the instances in Vulcan um, right. they all have about 20 different Dimensions so that all the characters can visit at the same time. If there's too many characters in one instance, they open up a few more so that um, more people can right. come in. So this was just one instance where over 50 people were all just standing there in solidarity around this, uh, the central point of, of Vulcan. Um, this was another instance, people doing Vulcan hand salutes. Can you actually see that? Um, that's just a geeky guy and who... He's doing know, the wrong salute. Should, yeah, he's he's doing the uh, red dwarf salute, um, and everybody was just standing there, and uh, it was quite touching. Yeah, and it made me realise that this is the first online digital memorial service. That everybody who was a big fan so of Star Trek, internet's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, and, all I, I, and I, I love this, and uh, yeah. I've. I've actually been tweeting a few of the people who are actually putting these posters up and just saying, you know, good for you. And, uh, you yeah. know, I think it's important to recognize it. I mean, Spock um, was a big part of this game. Leonard Nimoy voiced every single promotion. He, right. always, he was the one who told you, well done, Lieutenant. Well done, Captain. Well done, Admiral. He um, offered his voice for all the narration throughout the whole game. And... Um, yeah, he was your guiding light throughout wow. the whole game. So it was. It's. it's See, that's actually remarkable. made me want to play it. It really is worth going into. I mean, um, you probably wouldn't write again. I mean, I haven't been in there for a while, I and mean, even people just started to bring balloons in to the game. You can actually use these blowers that blow balloons, and uh, it's just nice because these are all people you can just go up to and and you can dance in front of them, salute them, and, and just chat to them in a little box. And uh, they're all real people, just there. They all, by their own initiative, went down to the uh, the Vulcan set piece and um, wanted to just stand there and pay respect. Yeah, that's really so nice. So that's you know that that really blew me away, and I thought that was it was quite important that once again Star Trek has has provided a new uh, a new way of doing things. Mm. Fifty years on, and it still still touches you, still yeah. relevant. Yeah. So what's left? Uh, not much, really. Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Transformers. Just, yeah, fucking hell. He's, he's, you know... Obviously he's, he was in Into Darkness in 2012, which I think was his last... His very last... His last yeah. acting piece. Yeah. And then I just made a little list, because you know what I'm like about lists, of the things he did as a director. Mm-hmm. So, um... Leaflet drop. All right. Okay. Um, a Night Gallery... Directed TV series Vincent TV movie The Power of Matthew Starr. He directed an episode of TJ Hooker, The D- Decoy. Yes. Uh, he directed, as we know, Star Trek Three: The Search of Spark, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. He directed Three Men and a Baby. 
That's correct. Yeah. Now let's talk about that film for a little while. Okay. Because it's it's quite significant. I mean, it's not sci-fi. No. It's complete departure. It is New York. He loves New York, and um, yeah, and he was actually directing this movie with um, three very strong male leads. Yeah, who are all really at the top of the game as popularity is yeah they were I mean um, Steve Guttenberg had been popular because of Police Academy films and Cocoon yeah, Short Circuit Tom Selleck had been um, that dude who had a moustache yeah what um, was it um, Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. and he'd been in Coma and a couple of other things but um, and then you've got uh, Ted, Danson. Ted Danson who had been Cheers since you know since the very beginning 1982 yeah and he'd done some great films as well you know yeah. some funny films what was that film he did with uh, Whoopi Goldberg um, something Made in America wasn't that it that was it Made in America yeah. it was so funny in that film it was really good exactly and uh, he, he's Ted Danson is another one of those who you feel safe with when you watch him I mean but how safe can you get <laughs> With a baby and and three of the most safest guys you you could you could think of. Yeah, you can't think of. I mean, again, it's a triangle. It's that trinity, mm. and I think uh, Led Nimoy probably saw that um, trinity. Yeah, in, from his own experience of working as a trinity throughout Star Trek, mm. that um, you know three seems to be quite symbolic in his. Um, yeah, his, it just seems quite odd, doesn't it, to for him to have picked this film to direct because he's not directed that uh, that many things. No. He hasn't, but... And it sort of jumps out. Yeah. As being... Oh, different. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say Good night, sweetheart. Good night. Well, it's three o'clock in the morning. Baby, I just can't treat you right. Well, I hate to leave you, baby. I don't mean maybe because I love you so. I watched the sequel around Christmas time. Yeah. And yeah, it's not very good. It's full of very, It's okay, but they kind of just try to repeat. But it's so many um, like what America think of Britain isms in it, which aren't true. We don't all live in mansions and castles and shit. And, like and that, we don't know? get surrounded by sheep every time we travel out in a little, no. a little mini car. No. But they, they had the same problem in uh, in National Lampoon's European Vacation. The the their ideas of what what it was like to be in Britain was just disgusting. This is disastrous. Yeah, but oh. then they did that with every country they went to. Apart yeah. from that one scene when they're doing that dance, and then the dancer they slap him in the face, and he takes it really personal and ends up punching him. Yeah, yeah, that's quite. That's the way to go. Yeah, Chevy Chase, you tosser. <laughs> Chevy Chase, that's another story. <laughs> with three men and a baby. Yes. Do you think it was Leonard Nimoy's decision to put the carbon cut out of Ted Danson on the outside? Everyone thought it was a ghost. I don't think. I mean, I mean, who did that? Who's I, idea reckon that one? I think it was an oversight, and I think somebody uh, did it. Put it there as a joke, and uh, because I, I think it was a, a, a on-set gag right. that they hadn't cleared up. This is how pathetic I was when I was a kid. Because uh, yeah, I heard everybody. Knew, yeah, I, I mean, heard about it, 
but everyone was saying it was a ghost. Yes. We had no internet, so I was like, oh. So when I got the film, I put it on and waited for that part. When I saw it, I paused it, yeah. and it looks really creepy. It does really spooky because they and created... I couldn't sleep that night. It really they... freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it was so freaky because they created this whole lore about this, this boy who actually committed suicide in the apartment that they filmed in, but those shots were actually studio. <laughs> the people never actually realised that yes they, they did do some shooting in in an in a actual apartment right. but a lot of it was coverage done in the studio so good set dressing yeah, really, yeah, yeah if, if people actually believed that but it was nice because it gave the film um, that boost because everybody wanted to rent it everybody wanted to watch it because of that cardboard cutout yeah. so I think it helps to have a little bit of lore and a bit of urban legend well, your film. What we should have done with CACL three is create something. Maybe while we were filming it, we we were abducted by aliens and we lost like four hours. Yeah, true. Yeah, and then, I kind of thought I thought it was this idea that for every podcast I put something in that's subliminal, and then when we get to the hundredth episode, we realize that we put all these pieces together, and we don't realize that when we play them backwards. <laughs> I thought I was actually thinking about it the other day, but I think it's so ridiculous because we're not gonna, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, but maybe we can do that in other. Yeah, but uh, anyway, that's that's going way off topic. Yeah, but since but then, three men and the baby. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but then since then, he did a film called The Good Mother. Directed that. Never seen that. No. Body Wars, a short film. No. Funny about love. No. Holy matrimony. No. And in 1994, was um, a TV series he directed one episode of Deadly Games, which was called Kill Shot. I never, I mean, he obviously just picked projects that he wanted to pick. Yeah. Things that he wanted to do. Things that supported his, his ideas and beliefs. He didn't do anything because it was popular mm. or because everybody expected him to do it. Well, you think about it, his first on-screen debut was 1951. Yeah. And his last was 2009. That's an incredible career. It is fast. It's amazing, and yeah, and yeah. I mean, to to go on until eighty three is still. I mean, people would be forgiven to believe that you know eighty three is a good age to 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 pass and, mm. and die of old age. Yeah, but he didn't. I mean, had he not had the COPD, how long would he have gone for? I mean. That's, well, Vulcans live a lot longer than us, so he would have lived. I know, about, he would have lived. He would have outlived my son. A few hundred, you know. Yeah, but uh, how many more lives would he have touched? I mean, it's it's just remarkable. I mean, the thing is, people mock the conventions. People say that, that people look silly when they get dressed up and as Klingons and things, and that the whole language of Klingon is ridiculous. But you've got to step back and look at it and realize that what. What harm is coming to 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 anybody from going exactly. to these places? What good is coming from it? What positive like, like we, human? We, we, when we're talking about films, it's easy to rip a film apart and tell everyone what's wrong with it. Yeah, why not look at it and say, okay, well, what's right? What's right? What's with it? right with it? And so I think what's wrong with grown-up men dressing as Klingons and hanging out with other? Men. It might not be my kind of thing, and I might be a little bit odd about the idea of doing that. But do you know what? They're not. And maybe it's one heck of a confidence boost for them to actually be able to go out in public. Mm. These people, some people, might even have that that social anxiety that uh, this is the one chance for them to just come out and really get to in tune for themselves. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. And I think maybe we ought to learn. I mean, what are we going to learn from from the character that is Leonard Nimoy, the, the the personality? What is that one thing that we can actually take with us? 
on our reviews now? Is it to be a little bit more open-minded? Or... I think it's just to be true to yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just um, live life by, you know, what you, what you feel is right. and The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one. Or the one. I have been and always shall be your friend. So I think it's time for yeah. us to wrap this one up. I'm just thinking. Have you got something else? I've just thought of something. What have you on Could we say to like, if someone's put goodbye Spock in Klingon? How would you know? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> how, how are you going to search Klingon? <laughs> After one thing that we can say that the actual Vulcan salute was um, something um, that was brought in from by Leonard Nimoy himself. Was it really? Yeah, that it was his own uh, initiative. He said, "Well, what if we tried this thing?" And um, the director at the time said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, just, just, just do it. Whatever." You know, yeah. he didn't realize it was going to become the thing that would define Spark. And uh, it's a part, it's a part of uh, his Jewish heritage. Right. And much of what he brought into the character of Spark and the actual. Um, nomenclature of uh, Vulcan came from his own uh, from the Jewish culture right. so interestingly Zachary Quinto can't do that why is that you can't no uh, he, he just can't these things won't do it so they have to have something to do it really yeah that's what I read but can't they just break them and just refuse them again I mean can't that's he the just commit, thing to he, do. he could just commit himself just a little bit more come on Zachary I just like the idea of him being stood there and some kids up it's hiding behind him sticks I'm looking yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean you could actually train your fingers to actually just tape by taping them up I mean I don't know how true it is it's just what I read it, it, it might not be true I mean William Shatner can't do it either but uh, I think whenever you see him doing it he's obviously straining to, to do it because yeah. his hands shakes um, so there you go um, I don't think we can really add I mean there's so much we could talk about with, about Leonard Nimoy but um, there's you know, everything's out there to be found. I think, it, yeah, it was just important to just you know. shed a bit of light on his life. And, yeah, you know. and you know, but that's that's just us. We're being true to ourselves. Exactly. There uh, we go. And that's the lesson we've learned from Leonard. So, so yes, g- goodbye, Leonard Nimoy. Peace, Peace and long life. Space, the final frontier. These are the continuing voyages. The Starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 laugh is by the stream. You know, I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to let the people know how they can contact our friends of Frame by Frame. They do that podcast You thing. know, the two guys, yeah, they do the podcast, okay? So they're, how... They're nice, they're like a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Exactly. And so if you want to, to, to do the communicating thing, you know, the social networking uh, thing... Yeah, you can yeah. Uh, you can tweet those guys tweet? at Frame by Frame 78. If you'd like to go to the website, that will be www.roastingportions.com. You don't need to do the www. It's implied that it's going to be the World Wide Web. People need to know that. Okay, just go to roastedportions.com, okay? You go down on the right-hand side. You've got the social connections. You can can talk to the people who do the show. You can even talk to... uh, um, the people who made that movie, you know, CACO3. Who'd want to talk to those mooks? I don't know, they made a pretty interesting movie, right? Yeah. It was in black and white. Yeah, black and white. I yeah, like you know, that. We like black and white, because, and there was also some trees in that movie, too. Oh, trees, it's like, like being in a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Other connections, you can really get to know these people on YouTube as well, and if you want to comment on their, on their podcast, I urge you to do that. Okay. Yeah, I think it is a, a proper, really nice thing if people want to start contacting these Subscribe guys. Subscribe to them and then and com- comment. I mean, it's just just polite, you know. Also, you can email them at framebyframe78 at gmail.com. That's it. I think that's everything wrapped up, so. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and plant a tree somewhere. Okay, you go plant some trees. I'm, I'm going to go, go plant a tree. I'm going to go tweet. You tweet, I'll plant a tree. It's us, we're out of here.